In this church-wide campaign called The Master's Design, we're taking a closer look at how God designed the family. Without this biblical vision for our families, the truth is, all of us have some ideas that are largely shaped by the previous generation and the modern culture. Frankly, those ideas about the family are not working. Almost every week, I hear story after story about families filled with bitterness and resentment and divisions. And the more I hear these stories, the more I'm convinced that many of these things and issues could have gone over a lot smoother if only we had listened closely to what God has to say about the family. Now, perhaps the clearest example of all these is the relationship between in-laws. You know, I tried doing a quick Google search about relationships in, between in-laws, and article after article, it all talks about the tensions and the frictions and the arguments between in-laws. Does that sound like your relationship with your in-laws? What does God have to say about this? Well, in one sense, we've already talked about that because we've talked about the relationship between children and parents and how parents should treat their children, right? And that's basically what in-laws are. But it's not that easy because relationship between in-laws, as you know, can be very tricky, very complex and complicated. So how can we navigate our way through that? Well, one clear biblical principle that can help us is the principle of leave, cleave, and believe. And we can see this in our passage today. Now, the context of our passage in Matthew 19 is that some Pharisees came to ask Jesus questions about divorce, not about in-laws. But the answer that Jesus gives us gives us a foundational truth that should shape the way we relate with our in-laws. Let me read to you that passage. Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. But therefore, God has joined together, let not man separate. Marriage, Jesus says, is based on the concept of leave and cleave. Perhaps you've heard of that phrase, perhaps not. Well, let's talk about it. And while, what does it say about our relationship with our in-laws? Now, what's involved in leave and cleave, and how should it relate with our in-laws? There's three things that we can talk about. To leave and cleave means you develop the independence of the marriage. Number one, you honor in-laws as family. And lastly, you put your faith in God. In other words, you leave by developing the independence, you cleave by honoring your in-laws, and you believe by putting your faith in God. You leave, you cleave, you believe. First of all, you leave by developing the independence of the marriage. And let's start with the marriage because that's at the center of the relationship between the in-laws, between one spouse and the parent of the spouse. Well, what is the marriage? I won't dive too deep into that because a few weeks ago we've talked about marriage. But what is a marriage again? It's the ultimate human relationship. Jesus says that in marriage, the two become one flesh. The marriage 
is a relationship that transcends even your relationship with your parents. And therefore, Jesus says what's involved there is a man shall leave his father and his mother. He leaves his parents. So that's the concept of leave in the leave and cleave. What is leaving? What does it mean? Well, it does not mean you abandon your parents. It does not mean your parents become less important in your life. No. Rather, to leave means to leave the dependence you once had with your parents. It's, it's an uprooting from your parents to establish new roots with your spouse. Now, before you got married, think about it. Especially before you started working, your life was almost completely dependent on your parents. You live in their home, and they were responsible for you. Your roots were, were established into your parents. Your parents were responsible to provide for you, to protect you, to nurture you, right? You were dependent on them. But when you get married, those roots have to be uprooted so that you can join with your spouse to form new roots. You're going to develop a new home, a home that's, that's established for your children, right? And so that means you have to learn to stand up for yourself. It means you take responsibility to provide, to protect, to nurture for you and your spouse and eventually for your children. And so in any kind of marriage, a crucial aspect of that is you need to develop the independence of the couple. You have to learn to stand up by yourselves. You need to learn to take responsibility for yourselves. And that's a big change. That's a big change. For you to leave your parents and form your new home, that's a big change. And that process of leaving has to be supported by both the couple and their parents and their parent-in-laws. See, on the one hand, the couple has to develop their independence as a couple. They have to take responsibility. See, the word behind leave, it's a pretty strong word. It points to an intentional action. In other words, you don't just drift into independence. You have to be intentional about it and forge it through decisive actions. So perhaps that means as a couple, you set reasonable boundaries between the marriage and the parent and the parent-in-laws. As a couple, perhaps that means you maybe stop using those credit cards that your parents are paying. And instead, you learn as a couple to support yourselves financially. Perhaps that means that maybe you listen to your parents and your parent-in-laws for their wisdom and their advice. But at the end of the day, you make the decision with your couple. You learn to decide with your couple as a marriage. And the point with all this is that you're exercising the independence of the marriage. You're developing that capability to stand by yourself. And so that helps you to establish your own family. That gives you the maturity you need to face the harsh decisions and realities of life that you will face as a couple in the future. That's the process of leaving. Now, does that mean then that you have to live separately from your parents? Not really. The Bible never says that you have to live in separate homes, so there's nothing wrong per se with staying under the same roof. But that being said, 
I do think there's great wisdom if you can afford it to live separately, especially if your parents are still healthy, right? I hear story after story and lots of different versions of this story that goes something like this. In the same home, the mother-in-law sees the daughter-in-law doing something. Maybe she's cooking, maybe she's parenting. And then the mother-in-law says, hmm, I would have done that differently. Not only does that strain the relationship, right? But also it hinders the marriage, the couple, from exercising their independence. There's always someone hovering. There's always someone making comments. There's always someone trying to help you, right? It hinders the couple from developing that independence and becoming more mature and learning to stand up by themselves, right? And the fact is, there are so many concerns and tensions and frictions that could have been avoided if only the couple had lived separately from their parents and their parent-in-laws. And so there's great wisdom in deciding to live separately. And it's something that you and your spouse might have to consider. You want to consider as a couple, how can we develop our independence and our maturity together so that we learn to establish our own family, we learn to make decisions by ourselves, we learn to support ourselves, and so on. You're, you're developing the independence of the marriage. Now, on the other hand, not only for the couple, but also for their parent and their parent-in-laws, they have to support the process of leaving. And they do that by giving the marriage the space to develop the independence. You know, I'm a parent, and for two years now, I've been taking care of my baby daughter. It's been wonderful, it's hard, but it's rewarding. And I'm slowly adjusted to being a parent. But one thing that I've never seemed to adjust is when I have to leave and my baby daughter cries out because she doesn't want to say bye-bye to Papa, right? She's crying and it breaks my heart. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that that's what it means to be a parent. It's to go through the process of being separated from your child, of being left behind by your child. It's crucial to their growth as a child. Literally from the beginning, that's what happens. Even from the womb, your baby, after nine months, leaves the mother's body. And at first, you know, your baby is always in your arms, but then the baby leaves your arms to walk. Then as a toddler, she leaves your sight to run around and play. As a kid, she leaves your daytime to go to school. As a teenager, she leaves your nighttime to go out with friends. As a young adult, she leaves your plans to live her life. And when she gets married, she leaves your home to make her own home. So parenting is this whole process of letting go, of letting go of your child so that your child can develop herself individually. And she learns to be mature and independent. She learns to take on responsibility. That's crucial to their growth. And that's the whole point of parenting. The problem is, when we as parents tend to revert back to the old ways when we were closely connected with our child, especially when they're married, especially when they're married, sometimes we can get too involved into their lives. 
Maybe we say too many things to our children and their spouse. Maybe we try to influence their decisions too much. Maybe we try to govern their lives like we used to, right? But that's not helping them. The irony there is when we overextend ourselves into their lives, the irony is it doesn't help them. It actually hinders them from growing, from growing to be the kind of people that they need to be to face life. And so as parents, our roles have to slowly shift from being managers of their lives to becoming mentors who are just standing at the side, just always making ourselves available so that when our children do need help and support, they can approach us and we're there for them. So that's the process of leaving. We, both the couple and the parent and the in-laws have to support that process. So the marriage develops that independence so they can learn to stand by themselves and protect, nurture, and provide for their families. There's a process of leaving, but secondly, there's a process of cleaving. And to cleave involves that you honor your in-laws as family. Now, here's what I mean. Jesus says that in marriage, the man shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The couple leaves their parents to be bonded to each other into an inseparable bond. And so they, they become one flesh. It's not just my flesh and her flesh. It's our flesh. It's one flesh. It's no longer my future and her future. No, it's our future together. And also, it's not just my parents and her parents. They're both our parents. Marriage connects two people inextricably, connecting each other to each other's family. So there's that oneness as they cleave to one another. And therefore, they become your family. In-laws are your family. Uncle and auntie becomes papa, mama, right? And for, for the parents, your children's fiancé is no longer just her fiancé. They are your son. They're your daughter. And God expects us to treat them like so. Because in marriage, the two has become one. God expects us and wants us to treat our in-laws with the same kind of love and patience and loyalty that we would show to our very own family. Nothing less. And so for the married couple, that means that when God says, honor your parents, that means you not only honor your biological parents, you also honor your parent-in-laws. You honor them, you value them, you respect them. And one, one simple way, perhaps, that to do that is you value their family traditions, right? For instance, let's say you grew up in a family before where after church every Sunday, you would go home, have a good lunch, and spend the rest of the day at home, chillaxing, uh, reading, taking a good afternoon nap, right? But then you got married, and you find out that the family of your spouse has a very different tradition during Sundays. After church, they go out for a lunch with the whole clan, and then they go out to spend the rest of the day shopping, doing things outside, and they come home late, late, late at night. And so even though, you know, you, you, you're used to the way your family did things, and you want to go home, you want to rest, 
Honor your in-laws means you make a strong effort to show up to their family traditions because you're choosing to value what they value. You honor your in-laws. Now, does that mean that you always have to obey your parent-in-laws? No, of course not. You don't have, you're not supposed to let them disrespect you. You're not supposed to let them control or manipulate you. Remember, you have gone through the process of leaving, but also you've gone through the process of cleaving. And so sometimes, perhaps the most honoring response is to firmly, but gently say no and decline. But you do it in such a way that honors them, right? You do it in such a way that honors them. Now, on the flip side, if you look at the parents and the parent-in-laws, that also means they have to treat their children-in-law as their very own child. You know, I've heard stories about how in the previous generation, especially among Chinese families, how some daughter-in-laws are treated more like slaves rather than daughters. They're tasked to work hard all day long without much rest. They get scolded, they get shamed, they even get beaten up. Now, fortunately, times have changed. You don't hear those kinds of stories that much anymore, I hope. But perhaps the lessons of the past ought to make us reflect on our present. Perhaps we're not treating our children-in-law that badly, but are we still treating them a bit badly? Or are we treating them as good as we would as our own children? Are we loving them and treating them with the same kind of kindness and concern as we would our own children? Are we giving them the kind of understanding and going the extra mile to understand them and sympathize with them rather than judging and criticizing them? Are we doing that? You know, as parents and parent-in-laws, we hope that by the grace of God one day, that when we are on our deathbed, we would see our children-in-law right there, weeping, in tears, as if they were seeing their own father and mother dying. That's what we hope by God's grace, to love them as our own children and to make them feel as if we were their very own biological parents. Because we, as believers, seek to honor our in-laws as family because we trust, we know that God has cleaved and united two people into one, connecting each other to their families. Now, the fact is, Every family is different. So the principle of leaving and cleaving is going to vary from family to family. The practical details are going to vary. So really what you want to do is you want to consider and pray about these things with wisdom, with prayer, with other believers, so that you can flesh out what this means in your own context. So that may be in your life group, that may be with your Christian friends. Think about those things. But the bigger question is, as believers, where is God in all this? What difference does God make in all this? I mean, I could be uh, a non-believing person, and I could just take the principle of leave and cleave and run with it, and it would definitely make my relationship with my in-laws a lot smoother. But as God's people, what difference does my faith make? 
What difference does God make in, in all this? How can God's peace and strength anchor me to apply the principle of leaving and cleaving and to honor my in-laws, especially when it's most difficult to do so? That's why we don't just leave and cleave, we have to believe. We have to put our faith in God. Now in verse 5 to 6, again it says, what is marriage? Marriage, it says, is when God has joined them together. It's God who joins them together. Jesus is saying, marriage is not just a social contract, it's an act of God. God joins them together. It's not just two people coming together to sign a contract, to, to be under the legal obligations. It's more than that. It's a binding covenant between three, the husband, the wife, and the Lord. God is deeply involved in every marriage. And that's our affirmation of faith in every marriage. It's God who has joined them together. It's an act of God. And therein, within that marriage, is all the design that God has put into it. The design of leaving and cleaving, the design of coming together, enjoying the families. That's the act of God. And as believers, the more we affirm that by faith, the more it gives us a double-edged sword. It gives us a negative motivation and a positive motivation towards how we relate with our in-laws. The negative motivation is, what does it say there? It says, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And the fact is, every time we relate badly with our in-laws, we're trying to separate what God has joined together. What do I mean? Well, let's say a mother-in-law has a bad relationship with her daughter-in-law. They're having friction. They're having tension. Well, what happens? Well, first of all, that strains the relationship between the whole extended family. But secondly, what does it do to the spouse, to the husband, at the middle of it? The, the husband is put into a difficult position where he has to choose between his wife and his mother, right? It's, it's a difficult position. There's no win here. Because any kind of choice he makes is going to hurt somebody. And ultimately, it's going to negatively affect the health of the marriage. It is, always. And even if the husband just stays you know, neutral and silent, his wife is going to feel betrayed, like she's left alone. Why are you not siding with me in all this, right? So whatever he does, whenever in-laws relate badly with each other, it always, always jeopardizes the marriage. In other words, Every time we, we relate badly with our in-laws, we're not just sinning against our in-laws, we're sinning against God himself because God was the one who united the marriage. It's his act. And when we relate badly with our in-laws, we're rebels trying to separate what God has joined. And as believers, this should give us a very sobering, negative motivation that should stop us, that should always give us second thoughts before we act badly towards our in-laws. It's an act against God. 
So there's a negative motivation, but also there's a positive motivation right there. Because we understand that marriage is an act of God. And the design that God has made it is the process of leaving and cleaving. And therefore, believers by faith can choose to trust God and obey God's design for marriage because He's behind it. What does that mean? Well, on the side of the couple who got married, that means that by faith, they can follow the design of leaving and cleaving. They can bravely step out of their comfort zones, out from the life of dependence from their parents, into the life of independence in the marriage. Believers don't have to let fear or worry stop them from following God's design. They, they can face the daunting challenges of responsibility, all the uncertainties of marriage and independence and maturity. They can step out into that design of God because by faith, they can entrust the future of the marriage because what God has joined together, He can sustain by His grace. So by faith, believers can step out from reliance into independence, to maturity. And by faith, they can mature as a couple. Now on the flip side, for the parent and the parent-in-laws, that means also that by faith, they can obey the design of God in marriage, to leave and cleave. It's to obey God in how He designed marriage. It's to, by faith, they can let go of their children. See, it's the fear in our hearts. It's the fear, the worry, the pride in our hearts that keep us becoming micromanagers of our children's lives. It keeps us going back and reverting back to trying to be managers of their lives and govern their lives and influence their lives. But if by faith we can see past that and trust that God designed marriage this way and we're supposed to obey His design, then by faith, it actually makes us better parents. It makes us better parents who can let go and give our children the space they need to grow up and mature. Because you understand that ultimately, it's not up to me as a parent to provide, to protect, to nurture them. It's in the hands of God. He alone can change their hearts. And therefore, you can relax, you can let go and trust God and just support the process of leaving and cleaving that God has designed. And the irony is when we relax like that and we let go, it actually makes our children more inclined to approach us, to ask for our help, and to seek advice. Spiritually speaking, this means that when I obey God's design, God usually rewards our obedience by opening up the hearts of our child to us, right? And so we as believers, we can trust God, we can put our faith in God and allow the leaving and cleaving to grow and make the marriage flourish. We leave, we cleave because we believe. But how can we believe like that? How can we believe enough that we can support the leaving and cleaving and, and develop our relationship with our in-laws? Believers can do that. We can do that because we understand 
that the God behind the marriage is the same God of the gospel. And the gospel says, who is this God? The gospel says, God the Father lets his son Jesus go to suffer and die. Why? Because Jesus comes to rescue his bride, the church, to those who would call on him by faith. He comes to rescue them and to take them as his bride, to be united with the church. And God the Father, in the greatest act of love, lets go of his son in this plan of redemption. Because through Jesus Christ, when we become united to Christ, just like marriage, when we are united to Christ, His Father becomes our Father in heaven. He becomes our Father in Christ. See, because of Christ, God the Father no longer calls us strangers or sinners. He calls us my son, my daughter. He treats us and welcomes us in as His children. And therefore, if you're someone who's struggling with your parent-in-law, you know, you're craving for his acceptance, you're craving for their respect, they're not giving it to you, you're struggling. Here's what you need to do. Rest in the great love of your father in Christ. You're not getting it from your father-in-law, but you can get it perfectly from your father in Christ whose love knows no bounds, who has accepted you fully as his child forevermore. Now, if you're the, if you're the parent-in-law and you're struggling to relate well with your children-in-law, here's what you need to do. Rest in the great love of the Father. Because you can see that God the Father suffered the greatest cause and let, it, and let his son go. To suffer. Why? So that he can call you his child. And therefore, since we have received such a great love as this, let us also go at whatever cost it takes to treat our children-in-law as our very own children. To love them, to respect them, to honor them, as believers, we can look at the gospel and trust that He is the same God behind the marriage. And therefore, we believe. We can leave and cleave because we can believe in Him. Since we have received such a great love as the Father has given us, therefore, let us love one another, especially our in-laws because He first loved us. Let's pray. Our Father in Christ, You have called us Your beloved children. We do not deserve it. We did nothing to earn that. But simply because we were united in Christ, through the greatest cost, you welcomed us as your children. You did everything, Lord, 
to bring us home. So Lord, we are grateful for that great love. We are grateful for your grace. Lord, forgive us for the times we treat our in-laws unlovingly, unkindly. We disrespected them. We dishonored them. We talked behind their backs. Lord, forgive us. Help us to treat them as you treated us in Christ. Lord, we pray for your strength and your grace to do so. Help us obey. Help us to leave and cleave in the marriages that we may honor you and follow the way you designed marriages to be. Lord God, we thank you for your grace and your word speaking to us. We pray that the Spirit would press this into our hearts. Grant us wisdom so that we may know how to apply it into the very complex relationships between in-laws. We entrust to you, Lord, all these things. By faith, we will trust in you, Lord, because you are our Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord. We pray all these things to your name, and we pray all these things by the name of Jesus Christ, who suffered all things to make you our Father. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining our online worship. I pray that this blesses you, and I pray that your relationship with your in-laws will become a lot better by God's grace. God bless you.